0: Hi, this is Johnny Whittaker, or John O. Whittaker Jr., remembered from Family Affairs, Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. And you are listening to Then Is Now Podcast.
1: Warning, warning.
0: Today's episode contains Spoilers. spoilers. So if you have not seen the movie or TV show that we are talking about, we highly recommend that you watch it first, then listen to this episode.
2: It's scary.
1: Welcome to thirteen days of Halloween. <laughs>
0: Welcome to Then Is Now podcast yearly 13 days of Hallowtober event. I am your host, Rigor. Joining me again on this episode are Patsy the Angry Nerd and Ashes. Glad you could be here, guys.
1: Thanks for having us yet again.
0: Awesome, awesome. And we are continuing. I'm glad
1: you're not sick of us yet.
0: Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> We are continuing our yearly event called Thirteen Days of Tober, and our theme this year is Vampire Movies. And today we're gonna to discuss the film Thirty Days of Night from two thousand and seven. So get ready for a fun discussion of a modern vampire film. And be warned, oh we're gonna spoil the shit out of this movie again. Class is in session. The town of Barrow, Alaska is preparing for its annual 30 days of night, a period during the winter with a month-long polar night. As the town gets ready, a stranger rows ashore from a large ship and sabotages the town's communications and transport to the outside world. Barrows' sheriff, Eben Olsen, investigates and also learns that his estranged wife Stella missed the last plane out of town and must stay the 30 days. That night, a band of vampires led by one named Marlow attacks and slaughters most of the townspeople, forcing Eben, Stella, Eben's younger brother Jake, and several other survivors to take shelter in a boarded-up house with a hidden attic. Marlow finds the stranger, who believes the vampires are going to turn him into one of them as a reward for his help, locked up in the police station. Marlow thanks him for doing what he asked, and then snaps his neck. Eighteen days later, when a blizzard hits, the group uses the whiteout to go to the general store for supplies, but is stranded after it ends. While the group heads for the station, Eben creates a diversion by having the vampires chase him to his grandmother's house where he uses one of her ultraviolet lights to burn the face of Marlowe's lover, Iris, so badly that Marlowe is forced to kill her. As he escapes, the town snowplow operator, Bo creates another distraction with his tractor, killing many of the vampires, before trying to blow himself up. When he fails, Marlowe crushes his head. Eben arrives at the station where he is then forced to kill Carter, who was bitten and has become a vampire. On day 27, Stella and Eben see the deputy, Billy, signaling them with a flashlight, and bring him back to the station after finding out he killed his family to save them from a more painful death. The trio find the others have made for the Utilidor, a power and sewage treatment station that still has power, and head over there, but are separated after Stella saves Gail Robbins, a young girl whose family was slaughtered by a vampire named Zuriel, who was stalking her. Eben and Billy make it to the Utilidor, but are attacked by the vampire Arvin, who bites Billy. Billy knocks Arvin into the heavy-duty shredder, and in doing so, grinds his own hand to a stump by accident before being killed by Eben because he's starting to turn. As the month comes to an end, with the sun due to rise, the vampires start to burn down the town to destroy evidence of their presence, including survivors. Realizing Stella's trapped and they cannot beat the vampires in his current state, Eben turns himself into a vampire by injecting himself with Billy's infected blood. He confronts Marlo, and they get into a vicious fight before Marlo is finally killed by having a hole punched through his mouth and head, causing the remaining vampires to flee. Knowing he'll die soon, Eben and Stella go off to watch the sunrise together, sharing one last kiss. As the sun comes up, Eben's body burns to ashes in Stella's arms. So, uh, guys, first impressions on this movie.
2: Yeah, I saw this one in the theater, and I thought it was a phenomenal idea. I hadn't read the, um, the source material. Yeah, but I thought it was a really interesting idea I like the fact that Josh Hartnett was playing somebody that wasn't like oh I'm a teenage heartthrob look at me Josh (laughs) uh, Hartnett Josh Hartnett Josh (laughs) Hartnett and um, you know I I, I thought it was pretty cool like it was definitely some good gore and uh, we talked about it a little bit on the uh, Dust Till Dawn episode but There's one shot on this, this overhead like helicopter shot of the whole town where there's just this insane amount of carnage going on and there's dozens and dozens of people on the ground just like, you know, firing guns, getting killed, just blood everywhere. And it's like one of the best shots I've ever seen in a film because there's so much involved, so many people, so many different moving parts. Uh, I thought it was awesome uh, on my on my rewatch, but yeah, the initial one I liked it. I actually went with a buddy of mine uh, that I worked with at a uh, at a at a boarding school, and he was very interested because his name uh, is also Evan. So it was like, oh, look at this, get to see it, you know, because very rarely do you get to see a movie with you know your own name you know, if you're somebody named Evan, or even my name, like I, you know, I can't think of more than three movies where there's a, the lead character is named Patrick <laughs> other than Patrick in the movie, Patrick <laughs> uh, and Patrick Bateman. And I can't think of any, anyone else like very rarely is there anybody even with my name. Um, I mean, there's Patrick Hockstetter from, uh, it, but I don't want to be associated with that guy. He sucks. <laughs> so, you know, that was that was also part of the draw. It was just like, oh, vampire movie with blood and guts and stabby murderness and Melissa George, who I really liked from uh, Mulholland Drive. Yeah, all right, I'll go see this. Awesome. Ashes?
1: So, this was a first-time watch for me. Uh, I, it must have flown under my radar for a long time, and it's one of those films that has... Uh, As a horror fan and just a fan of films in general, um, it's been on like my I need to watch this list. I have many films on my I need to watch this list. Uh, So thank you for giving me an excuse to cross that off my list. But anyways, um, I thought it was it was interesting. It was one of those. uh, I had to sit with it for a little bit and kind of digest it. Uh, some of the 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 tropes and whatnot that were happening. Um, first of all, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. So there is it's um, I I can't pronounce the name, but there is a place in Alaska. It's the northernmost town in the US that exp- oh
2: give it a try no you give it a try
1: (laughs) my my pronunciations are about as good as my accent spell it uh u-t-q-i-a-g with a little dot over it v-i-k oh you Springfield. yes springfield um (laughs) yeah so it's the northernmost town in the u.s that experiences darkness from november to january every year so 30 days of night actually happens in that one particular place. Yeah, the closer right. you are
2: to the arctic circle. And
1: I thought how brilliant is that? Why haven't there been a more films but be more horror films based, you know, in that vicinity? Because 30 days of night, that's that's horrific in and of itself just thinking of that, you know, not having sunlight for 30 days.
2: Well, um, that's why people like I think Alaska doesn't have a state income tax and people get paid to live there because of the extended periods of light and darkness like that whole movie Insomnia with uh yeah uh Pacino and Hillary Swank and Robin Williams Yeah
1: it's it's co- a constant state of of light hmm. um but I thought it was so well done. Uh, I really enjoyed the concept of the vampires, and I'm sure we'll touch on that in a little bit. The overall sense of dread as the film progresses and the survivors dwindle in size and you realize that there really is no escape especially since you know they get to a point where they don't know what day it is they don't know what time it is there is no you know you can't be like oh well they're vampires you know once dawn comes they're gonna go away well right. like, when is not gonna come what day is it do we still have two weeks of you know until dawn do we have three weeks until dawn like well what are we what are we doing? Um, so I thought it was it was really well done in that aspect, too. And, uh Rigor, you had said off-air that your wife had mentioned that it's more like a zombie film. And I've been kind of sitting with that since you mentioned it. And the overall, again, sense of dread, them having to not only hide but look for supplies and whatnot from this town that has just been completely just overrun right. by this uh, horde you know honestly i want to call it a coven of vampires and i'll touch I'll, i'll explain why a little bit later
2: you uh i think you misheard the conversation we had earlier uh because Rigor's wife was like hey you're watching a zombie movie cuz he started watching 28 days later not I'm right. oh,
1: mis- <laughs> okay no I'm okay I misheard that because I thought she said it was like a zombie film right. because of the a like I said the overall sense of dread the barrenness of the landscape the dwindling of the population and them having to Forage for for supplies and food, and trying to figure out, you know, what their next move was going to be without being caught by these creatures. That's what I thought. They was alluding. I okay. I didn't yeah, realize I was, was watching, it was, watching oh, the wrong movie. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was a complete dumbbell. <laughs>
1: I thought, no, I, I thought it was just like, a oh, you know, kind of like a, a, a comparison of the two, because, you know, the there were there were the, the tropes were similar in that aspect. But um, I thought it was so, you know, for a for a modern day vampire film, uh, which there have been several uh, and not all of them have been successful. I thought this was really well done.
0: Nice, nice. So yeah, um, likewise, I saw this in the theater as well, and I loved it. And I had actually forgotten about this movie. That's kind of why I ended up watching the wrong one, because I got the titles mixed up in my head. Um, And when I looked at my DVD shelf, I had it on there, and I remembered that I liked it so much after seeing it in the theater when it came out on DVD, I bought it. So Um, Yeah, I'm glad we got a chance to revisit this film, too, because um, I just love how it plays on the fears of, as you said, Ashes, what could happen in a town that lives in darkness for 30 days. Um, I like the isolation. It reminded me of John Carpenter's The Thing. Um, And, you know, definitely for me, it put Josh Hartnett on the map. I mean, had already seen him in like Halloween H2O. And I'm not sure if Pearl Harbor came out before this or not, but um, I definitely liked his. Oh, it did come out. Yeah. But I liked his performance in this, and that made me you know, um, want to catch other stuff that he'd been in. But let's dive into the director and, and writers here for a second. Uh, the director was a guy named David Slade, who basically, uh, at least according to his IMDb, did a lot of music videos, um, and he did an episode of Breaking Bad, and he directed the Twilight Saga Eclipse, which I have never seen.
2: Oh, so he's a vampire uh, expert. Right. <laughs>
0: Now, um, you talked about the original source material, a guy named Stephen Niles wrote the screenplay for this, and um, it was pitched as a comic book, and then as a film, uh, he had, you know, pitched it, his idea, and it got rejected, and then finally, years later, he showed his um, his thoughts to IDW Publishing, and um, so I guess just from there, it kind of took off, and the film had a budget of $30 million, and it grossed over $75 million at the box office, and um, the, you know, the critics were, were mixed on it on the reviews, but it's since gained a cult following and you can see why. It's just such a good movie. They released a sequel, which I did not know, called Dark Days in 2010. That was straight to home video. And then there was a prequel miniseries called Blood Trails uh, was released on Fearnet on-demand service back in 2007. And then there's another sequel miniseries called Dust to Dust, which is placed chronologically before Dark Days, and that was released in 2008. One of the other writers on this was Stuart Beatty, who wrote—he oh, directed, actually, I, Frankenstein, that starred Aaron Eckhart. I remember enjoying that. He wrote— Not a bad film. Huh?
2: No, it wasn't a bad film.
0: No, I enjoyed that movie. Um, he wrote the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, as well as uh, G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, and a bunch of the parts of the Caribbean films, which I watched the first one. I saw that at the drive-in once when it came out, and then I didn't bother watching the rest
2: of them. They're all, they're all essentially the same the same movie. That's what I figured.
0: Um, and then the third name on the screenplay is a guy named Brian Nelson who produced. Do you remember that show? It was called Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three with James Franco, where he was the a- uh, the
2: the the Hulu show based on the uh, Stephen King story.
0: Yes, yeah, so where he was attempting to go back in time to stop the the assassination of john f kennedy
2: yeah well i mean that whole process it doesn't make any sense because if you go back in time to to stop something from happening and you're successful then that thing never occurred then there was no reason for you to go back in time so you (laughs) never went back in time so the thing occurred so you can't change the past
0: there you go injecting logic into the situation again But um, he wrote for that. He wrote for a show called Murder in the First. Um, he wrote, uh, he co-wrote the film Devil with M. Night Shyamalan. Um, another one called Altered Carbon and a bunch of others. But the the thing that really surprised me was that Sam Raimi and Rob Tapert produced this movie.
2: Interesting. I mean, you don't really get a Sam Raimi feel from this at all.
1: Well, I guess in the early stages of this film, um, Sam Raimi was actually supposed to direct but uh, for one reason or another, another he decided to take a back seat and produce instead.
0: Interesting, yeah. It's I think, and I think I read too that they he loved the concept so much that he had to get it made. But who knows? His schedule probably didn't permit it by the time they actually get to making it. Um, and then we've got our cast, as we mentioned, Josh Hartnett plays Sheriff Eben Olson. You know, like I said, he was in H two O. He was in Black Hawk Down, uh, Sin City. And he played the character Ethan Chandler on that cool horror show, Penny Dreadful. I, I love that show. Um, have you guys seen Penny Dreadful at all?
1: No, no we haven't checked it out. But, uh, we've heard nothing but good things from people whose, you know, opinion we actually take into consideration when it yeah. comes to that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So, I that that just jumped a little bit. On my list, so we'll have to check that out.
0: Yeah, it's very good. It's very. In fact, I think I need to go and finish off the final season. I think I think I only got halfway through that. Melissa George was also mentioned. She played Stella Olson. Uh, She's been in Star Trek Discovery, Grey's Anatomy. Uh, she did play Kathy Lutz in that awful remake of the Amityville Horror uh,
2: with uh, what's Ryan, his name? Reynolds. Ryan
0: Reynolds? Yeah, I I just trying to forget that movie. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it wasn't wasn't great, but yeah, and, and uh, like I said, she was in uh, uh, Mulholland Drive with uh, Naomi Watts. Right, right.
0: Is that a David Lynch movie? Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I think I saw it, it there.
2: Literally, like the DVD comes with instructions as to how to watch it, so you might <laughs> hopefully understand it. Because once the blue box with the key shows up, like, just forget about it. <laughs> that's
0: all. I'm going to have to check that out now. I think I saw it, but it was so long ago, I don't really remember. Is that the one where Bill Pullman, like halfway through the movie, his his face changes and he becomes a different actor?
2: No, I think you're thinking of uh, Lost Highway. Lost Highway. Okay, yeah, that's what I was
0: thinking. That's funny. And then we've got Danny Houston, who plays Marlowe, the head vampire. He played William Stryker in X-Men Origins Wolverine.
2: And he was in uh, Wonder Woman. He yep. was like the bad guy that you were supposed to believe is uh, Ares. I Almost called him Hermes.
0: Yeah, Ares. Yep, Ludendorff was the character.
2: Yes, I couldn't think of his name. Ludendorff.
0: <laughs> he was in Martin Scorsese's The Aviator, um, and apparently he's going to be in an upcoming remake of The Crow. I saw that on his IMDb credits. So
2: yeah, he's he's going to play Eric Draven because he's got the uh, age and body type for it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: They just better not have, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Alec Baldwin shooting anybody on that movie.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, there's, enough, there's enough of that history with that film to begin with. Oh, my God.
0: But his dad, of course, is the acclaimed uh, film director John Huston. And uh, his mom was an actress named Zoe Salas. So I thought that was awesome. I, I never forget the story when uh, the movie The African Queen with Humphrey Bogart and Catherine Hepburn. They yeah. went to Africa to film it because basically John Huston figured out, To that he could travel all over the world if he set his movies in these other locations and I guess like the first or second night they were there filming the entire crew got food or poison from the water and they got food poisoning except Except for Humphrey Bogart and John Huston because all they did was drink booze
2: yep they just they just drank whiskey they didn't drink any of the water so everybody else had like amoebic dysentery but like (laughs) they were totally fine that's so and awesome. Just drank time. Uh, and we've got a guy yeah, named. Totally oh. fit chased. Say that again. They were titty much protally fit chased.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I much. Kind of like the uh, uh, cabin fever.
2: Sort of. Except nobody uh, in, as far as I oh, know, in the African it? Queen, no one pours listerine on their dick.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fairly certain. That's funny. I think I've heard oh, him. Baby. I think I've heard Danny Houston on um, uh, Gilbert Gottfried's podcast in the past. Of course, now Gilbert is no longer with us. But uh, we got a guy named Ben Foster who plays the Stranger, which I kept thinking it was funny. Actually, reminded me of it at the beginning. I kept thinking it was Ben Gardner. I'm like, oh, he's the same name as the <laughs> character from Jaws,
2: but it's not. You no, know, ben, 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 Foster. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's a pretty good actor. He's he's okay. Um, he was in, uh, oh my God, I'm blanking, uh, Inferno, the third, uh, Dan Brown, uh, Da Vinci code film. Yep. He was in, uh, X-Men. He played Angel.
0: Yep. In the last stand.
2: Yep. Uh, he was in, uh, he's in a, a movie on, uh, HBO called the survivor about, um, a, uh, a boxer who was forced to fight in uh the concentration camps oh wow and he is in a movie that will be coming up later this year called finest kind uh directed written and directed by brian helgeland who also wrote and directed a knight's tale and uh 42 the jackie robinson movie with chadwick boseman oh okay and uh that's the one that i worked on so that's where i met ben oh that's awesome yeah, Ben Ben was night uh, I I was chatting with him one day and uh, at the rap party and he did assure me that uh while he's he can be comedic and and you know do do stuff like that uh The Survivor uh not a funny film, very very few jokes. <laughs> Go into it expecting anything funny. Right, right. I said yeah, I really wasn't, but I appreciate the reassurance like that it <laughs> definitely a serious film that they're not taking this type of subject matter and
0: so you're telling me you know, Roberto Benigni's not in it
2: no no uh <laughs> no but uh your your thing about uh John Houston saying like oh you know I can travel anywhere I want yeah that's what adam sandler does now like I can put my friends in my movies and travel anywhere I want like they made a movie one of those like grown-ups movies where they traveled to africa to go on safari and the reason they did that is because he wanted to do that and he wanted someone else to pay for it so that's awesome he made a movie
1: i mean that's brilliant and if you can find the studio to put up the money for you to do that then have at it
2: yeah well i mean that's my plan at some point it's like ah i'm gonna do a movie that takes place on the moon (laughs) 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 we're gonna go to space didn't tom cruise already shoot something in space probably i know they did uh a, a, i don't know if they did it in space but they used the uh the uh the the the, the ships that simulate weightlessness right to porno <laughs> so It's like you go up and you have like half an hour of weightlessness right the one that they put stephen hawking he stephen hawking wasn't in the porn but they had uh they had uh i guess they did that and it's like all right, I can see the appeal of that. Like, yeah, they, they did a
0: lot of that in uh, Apollo 13.
2: Yeah, that heavy, heavy pornographic material in uh, Apollo 13.
0: <laughs> That's hilarious.
2: Tom Hanks referred to his balls the entire time as his bosom buddies. <laughs> oh, hey, want to know why I was in big?
0: <laughs> Don't. Uh, then we get a guy named Mark Boone Jr. Who played Bo Brower. Uh, I liked him in this. I thought he was a really good character. And you know, I'll elaborate on that later. He was in Memento, Batman Begins, and Sons of Anarchy. Among a bunch of Seven. other stuff. Seven. Uh, he was in Seven.
2: Yep. as uh, He was the FBI informant that uh, Brad Pitt referred to as Stinky Man. That's uh, right. He also played the uh, agent for... Uh, shit, What was the name of their band? in uh, American Satan. He was the the, the music agent there.
1: Oh, um, yeah.
2: It's a, it, it stars, uh, uh, Malcolm McDowell is in it. It's about a band that makes a deal with the devil to become huge. And Malcolm McDowell is the devil. And it stars uh, Andy Biersack of Black Veil Brides and Ben- Bruce. Ben Bruce of uh, uh, Asking Alexandria john bradley of uh game of thrones he played samuel tarley hmm. uh mark boone jr was their uh was their manager oh, interesting. The oh. but i don't remember the name of the band the
1: relentless <laughs> the
2: relentless yes that's who it was i was gonna be like you know <laughs> sunshine sun, sunshine parade happy turtle family I that's don't know. funny <laughs> <laughs> but he was in that as well oh interesting interesting He's one of those guys that like you see him you're like, oh, it's that guy. Like, right. Oh, he was a thing like because he always looks exactly the same. He's got the long, curly hair, the yeah. beard. Like he always looks exactly the same.
0: Yeah. He's just typecast as a biker looking dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've got Mark Rendell played uh, Eben's brother, Jake Olson. Um, the only thing I could find, he did a lot of voiceover work and he was on the Transporter TV series which I never actually got around to seeing.
2: I didn't realize that was a thing. Yeah,
0: I know. (laughs) Uh, Amber Sainsbury played Denise. She was in Hercules, the Legendary Journeys, as well as Young Hercules, and she's only done a handful of things beyond that. And then we've got Manu Bennett, who plays Deputy Billy Kitka. Uh, He was in both Hobbit films, and he also, I was shocked to realize who he was. He played Slade Wilson, a.k.a. Deathstroke, on the Arrow TV
2: series and i remember oh, okay. like he yeah. that yeah he was good in that i yeah. that the uh, all right now now that's where i recognize him the guy who played carter i don't know if you've gotten to that yet
0: no i that's kind of where I ended it
2: <laughs> no, uh, the guy who played carter uh was uh captain mafuni in the second and third uh matrix films oh right okay yeah he was the guy operating the apu that uh the kid that's this his name the kid uh was supposed to refuel and he's the one that he took over that one and that's the the one that blew open the gate for the nebuchadnezzar not the nebuchadnezzar because that one was done the hammer the hammer yeah yeah oh wow oh that's cool he just looked weird with a mustache and this was after that actually because the third matrix came out in like oh four
0: right right and this was 2007 so yeah Very interesting. You really
2: parlayed his fame into huge roles. Right. (laughs) I was in the Matrix. Yeah. Do you want to be like some guy? Yeah. All right.
0: (laughs) I thought it was interesting, though, like even for 2007, they had these cell phones that was like were so old and like they find a bunch of melted ones at the beginning. And I was like, oh, man, I forgot how much cell phones have changed in the last, you know, 15, 20 years.
2: Those, the melted phone, those were the satellite phones. Oh, right. Okay.
0: But even Josh Hartnett had one that was, you know. Yeah,
2: the the flip phone. Yeah. <laughs> the little Motorola flip phones. Yeah. But I
0: liked, I liked the whole premise of the people that wanted to leave sort of panicking. And that, that whole sequence was tense where they're all basically fleeing the town and only, you know, so many people are going to stay there, you know.
2: Yeah cuz you have to leave before the storm you have to get to the the airport or the the regular port right I do want to get back to Ben Foster's character cuz he had like this almost like a cajun accent hmm yeah I guess he did yeah like where are you from like you know and it's not like it's like everybody knows everybody in this town but like nobody knows who this guy is and it- like making a spectacle of himself right (laughs) like no whiskey no rum you don't give me what i want to eat yeah what i want to drink (laughs) give me a plate full of raw hamburger it's like you're not a vampire yet like right ah.
0: so i didn't quite get until i did the synopsis and did the research that he's the one that melts the satellite phones he destroys the helicopter he he's basically he did all that to pave the way for the the coven of vampires to come in.
2: Yeah, he's like a he's a familiar. Yes. And like they're because like the whole thing that we keep hearing Marlowe say through his uh you know weird, clicky, growly language that he has is, you know, we're trying to remain hidden. We're trying to remain, you know, they don't believe in us, like let's keep it that way, like we're just you know, a nightmare. We're not real. Like, let's keep it so, like, people don't think we're real still.
0: Do you you guys know what that language was they were speaking? I didn't really get a chance to look that up.
1: It was, um, it's not a real language. It's one that they created specifically for these creatures, and they worked with, uh, like, a linguistics professor um, to come up with, with the language. Huh. Yeah, because I, I looked that up because I was I was very interested because it um sounded uh I don't know, it was a cross but it sounded kind of Germanic a little bit, but it also sounded um indigenous.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: So I yeah, I was I was very intrigued by that. But yeah, the, they they worked with um a team of, of professionals to kind of come up with the the language that they spoke and i always think that's really interesting when they do that kind of like you know elvish or um the valerian or what have you uh for all of these fantasy um films and shows right. and, yeah you know it's always interesting to me the actors who take these roles having to learn a completely different language but it's like a, a, it's not like they have much material to go on except for What's created for them, you know, it's not like you're sitting in class learning Spanish, you know, it's not like you're you're learning French or whatever it's you're learning this made up language, right, that right, a couple right. of people know exactly how things are supposed to sound, how you're supposed to pronounce things. So I, I thought that uh, Mr. Houston did an excellent job with speaking you know this this language and it was very uh, it was very believable
0: right right you know and that reminds me the original land of the lost tv series from the 70s the Sid and Marty Croft show they had a linguist invent the language for the little hairy guys who were called the Pakuni. and that I always thought that was very fascinating that for you know basically what's aimed at children they did they went to the trouble of making up a language for that
1: yeah, I, I think it's a it's a very um, interesting undertaking when they decide to do something like that, because they they eat like these vampires could have spoken Russian, you know, right? Uh, and we would have been like, OK, yeah, or they're a, they're Slavic. Language. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, the fact that they created something completely and that's why I want to refer to them as it's it's more than just like a herd of of vampires it's more like a coven because they and the their features are so distinct right and you know this language that they are speaking their mannerisms it's it's more than just a, a familial thing it's a, it's something more than that it's it's more than just like a, oh i turned you and now you're a vampire it's you know almost it's a culture type thing right Um, i thought was so different than what we've seen with some of these other vampire movies you know such a an interesting take on you know incorporating what we know of vampires with this with this newer aspect i thought it was just really uh, i loved that take i love that approach
0: yeah yeah and it reminded me of um like something out of Apocalypto, where it seemed it felt ancient, what they were speaking.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's you know uh, I don't know if it's something because you saw a couple of the characters who were freshly turned, they had some of the characteristics, you know the the black eyes, and you know it's funny because all I could think about was uh, Quint from Jaws talking about the shark, you know he had black eyes like a doll's eyes, you know right. life, and. You know, I thought that was a really, you know, interesting and unique way of creating the the vampire appearance to have those just black, lifeless eyes. But you look at some of these these vampire creatures who clearly had been uh, turned a long time ago, and they've been a vampire for potentially centuries. At this point, the way like the the way that the nose had formed. Yeah, to look the different. Slits of the eyes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also the, the teeth. I was gonna say like the, the teeth were something Danny that immediately teeth
2: were way different than everybody else's. Yeah, right. They were almost like very thin, like almost like they were filed down. Where everyone else like they just started to get like it. Pointed.
1: Kind of, kind of reminded me of an anglerfish a little bit. Not as, not as jagged.
2: Hmm. I. Yes. Or like a hatchet fish where like that lower jaw comes down yeah. and it's like a really, or a Goliath tiger fish, except more, they had more teeth, like a lot more on the bottom, uh, Danny Houston did.
1: Which made me really. And they jut
2: out. That's yeah. Right, yeah.
1: Which made me um, question, like, where were they from? You know, like uh, what was this? What what was this whole process of, you know, who were they and how did they become what they are now?
0: Right. Right. And I'm wondering, too, about uh, Danny Houston's character's name was Marlow. And that's for some reason that strikes a a chord in the back of my head. And I'm thinking that the the vampire in Salem's lot was named Barlow, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because in the comic, he's Vicente. Oh, interesting.
0: I never did read the comic for 30 Days or. Night. I
2: didn't either, but when I searched on Wikipedia, the comic is what came up. Hmm. Interesting, interesting.
0: Yeah, so they they drew from a lot of of, you know, what's been done before in terms of how the vampires look and made their own unique look to these as you just described which is was amazing i mean that was one of the the whole film is just amazing from beginning to end and like i said that whole scene where people are scrambling to leave the town it ratchets up the tension so much that i jumped at a scene that wasn't even a horror scene is when stella's trying to escape and the dude malachi's got this giant chainsaw truck and he accidentally crashes into her i like jumped out of my
2: chair Oh yeah, because it's something you don't expect Like, I'm driving to the airport Nothing bad's gonna happen Certainly not a giant chainsaw truck Oh my god, a giant chainsaw truck (laughs) Like, they didn't have that shit in Final Destination Like, where did that come from? Right
0: (laughs) Oh man, you know, and then as things start to get worse They get worse for Eben He's literally pulled in like A hundred different directions at once Everyone's calling him for help And you know, they're they're all panicking and then the helicopter smashed up and the old guy gets eaten. And that's another thing about the vampires is they were wicked fast in this. I love
2: that. I think what it reminded me of a lot, you know, now that you're 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 mentioning it, like anytime somebody had an issue, they would call for him. Remember the scene in in First Blood when, like, Rambo's slowly dispatching all the cops that are coming after him, like, with the non-lethal traps, and every time someone gets stuck, they're like, Will! Will, come save us! Right. And there's like 10 different people who all need something, and they're all calling for Will. (laughs) That's right. Like, what the hell am I going to do? Like, I'm just some dude. Like, oh, what happened? All my dogs are killed. What else happened? Gus's head is impaled on a spike. What else happened? All the phones are melted in a puddle. Uh, I did like the nice symmetry with that opening scene talking about like, oh yeah, this is where I took Patty on our first date. It's like, yeah, that's where everybody takes everybody on their first date. <laughs> the last sunset for a month. Of course, you're going to use that to get laid. Right. Like, and like, that's where they ended up and he did not get laid.
0: <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh man. I loved when uh, Evan Evan is driving through the town and he's basically telling everybody, Everybody, if, you, if you've got generators, go home, turn them on, and load your weapons.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know everybody's got guns, so load them up. And uh, <laughs> just stay inside, put on as many lights as possible, attract as much attention to yourself.
0: <laughs> and there was the old lady that worked in the sheriff's office. She reminded me of the old lady that was on Northern Exposure. I don't know if you guys ever watched that.
2: I never did, but I, I'm aware of the show.
0: Yeah. It was a good show.
2: Yeah, she uh she was like when he he's looking at the drawers like oh what's this? And it's like oh that's pot. It's like how dare you! And it's like, oh, it's grandma's pot because she <laughs> has cancer. Like, remember? And she's like, Yeah, I like to get high. <laughs> I mean, you saw that the general store was like super stocked with like Oreos and like jolt cola. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that.
1: When you're out in the middle of fucking nowhere, what else is there to do? What, like like
2: taunt polar bears?
1: like great, Get drunk, get high.
2: And they got rid of all the booze for that month because it's people are. See, if they had what they could have done, they could have gotten like one guy like super fucking hammered and had him out. And then like the vampires could have drank his blood and then. <laughs> They would have been drunk and they could have like snuck around or like taken a couple of them out. I mean, think about, you know, we, we've seen that uh, in action in uh, the what we do in the Shadows TV show. It's like we drank the blood of some people, but the people were on drugs. And now, <laughs> now I am a wizard. wizard. <laughs> <laughs> well, that also happened in the movie Love at First Bite,
0: where um, what's his name? George Hamilton played Dracula and he, he drinks the winos blood and then becomes drunk himself.
2: Yeah, like that's just the way it works. Like that's how how things are supposed to happen. That's hilarious.
0: <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, there's and and then the, it was so obvious when there's that scene where the chick is walking through town looking for help that they were using her as bait. But I thought that yeah, was a good one. Yeah,
2: she's a honeypot. Like that's the, uh, you know, like the old uh, Viet Vietnam uh, Viet Cong you know, wound a soldier, have him call for help so the snipers can just pick off anybody that goes to help him.
0: Right, right. Which Jason did that in the remake of Friday the 13th.
2: And they did it in uh, Predators with Adrian Brody. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Treo, which we forgot to say he was in that. Oh, yeah. But again, we also missed about 430 other things that he was in. Right. (laughs) We can be forgiven for missing one of his films.
0: That's hilarious! Oh my god, and I, I like um, I like uh, Eben's line, where he's like, "We live here for a reason because nobody else can." And yeah, that that just was very telling about you know these characters that are staying behind.
2: Then you got that oh, that poor guy with dementia. Oh like yeah, out of the the uh, window. Oh yeah. Oh, man. But there's one moment
0: with um, Bo Brower, who was it was a really great scene where he's he's you know, they're all holed up in the attic and he's about to leave. And Stella looks at him and she goes, we need you here. And they take a moment to look at his face and he looks at Jake and the two women and you could just totally see him internally going shit. She's right. I can't leave. <laughs> I just love that moment because they didn't have to have too much dialogue to get across the point, you know?
2: Yeah. And he was, he was definitely the quint of this group, like the old crusty guy who lives on the outskirts of town by himself. <laughs> I can kill most things. And these things are no exception. I'll kill them too. Right. Just four stout men to work the bellows.
0: Vamp's eyes are black like a doll's eyes. The bald and vampire
2: seemed to be living, yeah. This guy wasn't hammered. <laughs>
1: That's I mean, true. that we know of. Well, there's no booze. Maybe he had a stash. I made, I know engine. I would. I was, I was gonna say,
2: snow. It's like, what made my own booze from <laughs> polar bear urine and then...
1: 30 days of <laughs> franzia. <laughs>
0: And then there was the dude who it said, like, I think it came on the screen. It said, like, day seven or something. And the guy was, like, hiding under his house. And for a second, I'm like, there's no way that guy's been surviving under that house in the snow for seven days. But then you realize he was bitten and he was transforming.
2: Yeah, he was the guy whose wife got dragged out of the house.
0: Yeah. So many good scenes in this movie.
1: I will say, though, I think the scene that really got me the most was... um when uh he sees somebody flashing a flashlight across the way and Billy, he re- Billy yes he realizes that you know there there are uh, there's at least one more survivor and he goes and you know he finds out that it, it's Billy and uh you know his his friend sees that Billy has put a gun to both his wife and his child in an attempt to save their lives, but couldn't couldn't muster up the guts to turn the gun on himself. No, his right.
2: gun jammed. Oh, his gun jammed. Oh, he that's
1: right. Okay, himself himself yes, the gun yes, yes, yeah. Yes, uh, just the the utter utter look of of despair on on the actor's face was just ah. Oh. It, it just, it stuck, it stuck with me. And then obviously the journey that that character proceeds to go on and what happens, but that one scene where Eben walks in and, you know, he's in the bedroom and he just, he, peels back the uh, the sheets from the bed and realizes that uh, there are two bodies there and it's, it's you know, his friend's wife and child who, you know, obviously he had a relationship with as well. The look on his face, he was just, you know, uh, completely unexpected, thrown off. I mean, understandable what he was trying to do in that moment. You know, you feel that all is lost and this is your only option and you're trying to, you know, put your loved one ones out of their potential misery
0: yeah you know yeah knowing, what the, uh, yeah, uh, knowing,
1: knowing what the alternative could be or more than likely would be you know kind of like you know going back to zombies like uh you know a scene in the walking dead
0: right. you know yeah
1: where you you they walk into the house and they see 28 days later yep, yep yep
0: yep and what was this what was the film with um thomas jane with the stephen king one where they were oh the mist, mist. It was kind of like the ending of The Mist there.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, that
2: one was the worst. Oh, man. Stephen King said he wished that's how he ended his book. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. I wish I had thought of that ending.
1: That was brutal. (laughs) For him to go through all that, only for The Mist to just just start to, to go away. And, oh. the and the, and the army yeah. comes down yeah, the street, the and there's
2: there's Melissa McBride who was like, "Oh, I'm gonna run for safety. You'll never make it." And there she is. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yep. And oh you had to
2: gosh. deal with Marsha Gay Harden and her like ridiculous insanity of her oh, Jesus shit. Marsha Gay and, Harden is
1: fabulous, and she
2: killed <laughs> Sam Witwer, who is Darth Maul. Oh, that's right
1: you know this is this is one of those films where you know there's hope. And then all of a sudden there isn't, and you just you sit there and you're like, "Is it, are they all going to get picked off one by one? We are only they going to make wait it? a couple
2: more hours and we'll do it? Uh, okay, set the town on fire. Fuck these guys! <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my god! And I have to say, you know, I thought the bald vampire was extremely scary, but I think oh, the, Dave uh, Batista. Yeah. Oh, was that Dave Batista? I- no, no, but like, no, that's oh,
1: what, what keep calling. I him. thought he was the derpiest looking one of them all.
0: <laughs> I thought he was scary, but I think if I was going to give out an award to scariest vampire, it would have to be the little girl that they found in the store munching away on the yes. dude.
2: And apparently, she was part of the the group because they're like, "Oh, did you recognize her?" And everyone's like, "I don't know who the hell that is." <laughs> So I'm thinking she was part of the group because like they knew everybody like they see one random kid all covered in blood, like bundled up in a park. and You can barely see him like, oh, that's that kid.
0: Right, right. Yeah, you know, that it, makes sense.
2: You know, Greg and Sally's son, daughter, like whatever, you know, like they just know who, exactly who it is, like right that second.
0: Yeah, yeah. But that was just a particularly scary scene, at least I thought, in my opinion.
2: It was uh, oh, Yeah, little kids as zombies, like the open, like, again, Walking Dead, like the little kid zombie. Rick's like, you all right? You look just like my son, Coral. Coral. <laughs> she's like, "She's like, no, I'm a zombie, and I'm missing half my face. He's like, oh, I'm going to have to shoot you. And she's like, "Alright, do what you got to do, because otherwise <laughs> I'm going to bite you. <laughs> I mean, this may have played out slightly differently, but that's <laughs> what I remember.
0: Oh, man. And Jake is the one that uh, chops her head off
2: with the axe I thought that was cool he should have said something like I need to axe you a question yeah <laughs> a... Chop chop!
1: I will say there was some very satisfying kills as far as the gore aspect uh, yeah. in this film
0: oh yeah absolutely I mean especially the you know with what's his name uh, the, the Eben putting his fist right through Marlo's mouth
2: <laughs> yeah got your brain yeah
0: Get your brain. <laughs> He's got his thumb in his in his hand. I <laughs> get your
2: brain. Yeah. like I got your nose and your cerebral cortex.
0: Yeah. There, and there's a lot of good visuals in this, too. Like when the survivors are walking through the snowstorm, I really loved how that was shot.
2: Yeah. And the, like I said, the shot that uh, that I was referring to earlier, like that overhead shot of just like the initial like night of carnage where people are trying to fight back and they're just getting shredded yeah. in the street and it it goes on it's an unbroken shot for like a full 90 seconds and it's just everybody's getting trashed oh yeah
0: yeah oh my god there's so so many good things in this in this movie so yeah so then of course eben sacrifices himself to save the town which i thought was great i mean it was a brilliant way to do it to inject himself with the vampire blood so they could be on equal footing i really like that concept
1: and I kind of like the way that he really lulled the the Covenant of vampires into almost a false sense of security. You know, they're almost like claiming victory, like, "Oh, the fighter has fallen." You know, the the one who fights is now one of us. You know, yeah. like we have a, another strong one to to add to our horde as we you know finish off this town and and go to you know wherever they had planned on going to next. Only to have him mid change be like, "Oh no, no, no! I still have my wits about me." And uh, (laughs) not kind of like a uh, "Not today, Satan! Not today!" kind of moment, (laughs) you know. punched through his skull (laughs) um you know which i thought i was not expecting that moment to happen yeah that was a very interesting way to go about it and obviously you know he he knew that that was the only way that he was gonna a not only be able to infiltrate the horde but get to a, a place where the head vampire you know was vulnerable right and by sacrificing himself you know, it's just it's weird though because it's like wow you're sacrificing yourself for the two people who are left it's <laughs> true like okay i mean that that's, that's kind of uh, sure i guess <laughs> you know um but it was but it was a really cool scene and it was a very uh interesting way that it played out again kind of following the the different uh van you know, vampire trope that this film has.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree with your assessment too, that it's, it's, it kind of reads like a zombie movie because of, you know, all the details that you described. And I, I like that. And I do, I would like to know where they came from and where they were planning on going next, because you're literally at the top of the world. You know, what, what could be next?
2: They're going to get back in their boat. Oh,
0: that's true. And then what just like, it's like a giant coffin. So it just sleep until, Uh, I don't know.
1: (laughs) I have have no idea. It would be interesting. uh, And maybe the comic book series that this is based off of, maybe they touch base with who these vampires were, how they got there, and uh, what happened. Because I don't think they
2: were paying attention to the time. Like they knew what was going on because you would think that, like, oh shit like
1: I, I you know and it's one of those things where you know was it planned did they seek out this place or did yes. they just okay
2: they, they specifically, okay, I didn't get that because Dan, uh, Danny Houston at one point's like why haven't we done this sooner like why do we wait so long to to do this particular thing like, right, right. down spend a month take everyone out I mean granted you know because he's like don't turn anybody kill everybody rip the heads off the bodies like don't Don't turn anybody. We don't need any extra mouths to feed, but like, you know, chop them all up and then do their do their thing. But like, I don't think they were paying attention because how close did they cut it to the friggin sunrise? Right.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I know. Really, they could have burned the town down a week prior to that and, you know, killed everybody.
1: Well, and also like it took them. 30 days the entire 30 days to accomplish what they went there to ultimately accomplish. And even then they really didn't accomplish it because they didn't annihilate the entire town. Right. right. There people were two. Who lived su- to well, tell the tale. Right. You know, the, the, the two survivors. Four. Oh, there were four. Oh, right. There were four.
2: You had uh, Melissa George, the goofy looking brother. And then the two women. Oh, that's and right. Yeah. The- I
1: was just I was just thinking of, of Melissa George and the, the kid. I yeah. Forgot and then about there the were like people. the three and right. then
2: everybody who comes back. They're like, why is our town burned down? And like and the vampires plan, like, yeah, we're going to burn this town down. Like, so they rip open the pipeline. It's like, so what what ripped open the pipeline? Christ. Like, <laughs> like these look like claw prints. I know. Yeah, they weren't very really good at, at uh,
0: hiding their tracks.
2: Where are all the what? what's up with all the headless bodies that have like the bite marks in their necks? Yeah, well, I don't know. Like they really didn't plan that out all that well. It's like, yeah, let's just let, you know, let's leave it all up to chance at this point.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's so funny. You know, I mean, you get a wonder now are like the men in black going to come in and <laughs> clean up the town government. You know, is going to be like, oh, shit, vampires are real. We got to do something about it. <laughs>
2: gone nuts
0: <laughs> all right so final thoughts on 30 days of night
2: uh i think this is a really good vampire movie uh you know there are there are vampire movies that are just like the same old tried and true tropes and you know it seems to me that every single vampire movie that comes out now needs to have the well just because it worked in the t like when we discussed from Dust till dawn, it's like, oh, we could just make a cross out of two pieces of wood. Peter Cushing does it all the time. Right. Uh, you know, or, you know, like, oh, what's the thing about silver? Do you have any silver? No, who cares? Like, you know, talking about like the different tropes, like in this one, like just because something worked against Bella Lugosi doesn't mean it's going to work now, you know, talking right. about the, uh, the, um, um, ultraviolet light. Right. So it's like they're they're doing that with all of these like, oh, you know, it's almost like that in itself has become a trope to point out the tropes of classic vampire movies. But so it's like everybody (laughs) has to have, you know, the the reference to like the universal monsters, mainly because that's like public domain stuff. Uh, But they don't live in a universe with other vampires. You know, it's just like. People never live in a universe with zombies. It's like, whoa, what are these things? This is crazy. Yeah. (laughs) There's no reference in any like book or movie or TV show that we could possibly figure out what these things are. Whoa. (laughs) It's like every time that like someone experiences this shit, it's always the first time, no matter what it is. Right, right. (laughs) Zombies? What? No. No such thing. There's a zombie right there. Oh my God. That's too funny. Ashes. Our, our cat is named zombie and she just came into the room. Oh, cute.
1: I, I really enjoyed it. And it's one of those films where I, like I said, in the beginning the longer i sat with it the more that i liked it and i enjoyed the fact that you know somebody really did their homework when it came to creating these vampires uh leaning on the old tropes that we know of but then adding something new to the mix and giving us something fresh that we haven't necessarily seen before uh you know, which as a as a fan of horror, as a fan of you know vampires in general, um, I appreciate that. I appreciate when somebody can bring something new to the table and do it well. Right. You know, it's not like it was. It, this wasn't poorly done. This was actually done really well. Um, I liked the use of practical effects with uh, the 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 blending of CGI at the time. I thought it was really realistic. the most part um the acting was decent i i I liked the overall aesthetic of the film too again the location i know they didn't film in alaska but the fact that they were able to create this landscape that looked like in the middle of nowhere you know uh, up at the tippy top of, of alaska you know it just uh again the overall sense of just dread and despair yeah. you're watching this film thinking is there really like who do I have left to root for you know everyone's being picked off are there going to be any survivors because to be completely honest I kind of like a horror film where you know the bad guy wins and you know the good guys are are killed off or you know something else happens you know like uh so I kind of liked the um ambiguity a little bit, hmm. you know, especially towards the end there where you're like, Jesus Christ, they got another one. Like, what the <laughs> hell is happening here?
2: It's always um, nice when your environment can almost be a character.
1: Well, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the uh, the landscape, you know, especially, you know, the the sense of tension them running from one place to another you know trying to set up distractions like or or take advantage of distractions that they necessarily didn't set up but that were there like okay we have this moment we need to yeah yeah you know we have this moment we need to we need to run we need to go someplace else we need to do what we need to do um you know it's like are they going to make it is everybody going to make it is somebody going to get picked off you know is uh is the weather Going to cause somebody, you know, something to happen to somebody, you know, because there was the the threat of you know potential hypothermia and stuff too with the the landscape playing a, a part in everything. So it was really interesting, yeah. very well done. Um, I, I thought, you know, as far as like you know a modern more mo- I mean, it's almost twenty years old at this point, but you know, <laughs> uh, as far as a, as far as a more modern vampire tale goes, I think it's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, it's 15
2: years old. Say that again? I said it's 15 years old. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, and I, I agree with both of your assessments. I I forgot how good this film was. I was so glad that we we picked this one, or you guys picked this one, actually. So many great scenes and shots in this, as we talked about. The story's awesome. The cast is just wonderful. Yeah, I, I highly recommend this movie. I think people, um, if you're looking for a decent vampire movie that's a little different than what's been done 100 times before, then you should definitely check this out. Because, yeah, I mean, 30 Days of Night should not be confused with 28 Days Later, however. Or
2: 27 Dresses. Or
0: 27 dress- Dresses, <laughs> but thematically there are some similarities, so I think that's kind of cool.
2: And those are the prequels.
0: Right. <laughs> All right, so Ashes and Patsy, can you tell the listeners where to find you online?
1: Yeah, so you can go to throwdownthursdaypodcast.com. That's where you'll find some fun articles, access to all of our social medias, and new episodes. New episodes are also available wherever fine podcasts are found.
2: And you can also find me on uh the newly resurrected Shark Bites, uh interviewing writers and and all kinds of doing all kinds of like random episodes that you you won't necessarily find find on Throwdown thursday stuff that doesn't quite fit Throwdown thursday's mold but uh you know always has a home somewhere awesome
0: awesome well thank you too for joining me once again it's a great episode and
1: uh, thank you
0: hopefully we'll we'll see you on the dracula roundup at the end of the uh 13 days
1: yeah we're planning on it
0: excellent excellent Okay, folks, that's all the time we have for today's episode. Thank you for joining us for our special 2022 13 Days of Hallow-Tober event in which we're discussing vampire films this year. I just want to briefly remind you that we've got a live streaming monthly series called The Fright Lounge in which we discuss all horror media for seasoned horror fans as well as those of you who don't know if you want to get into horror. We've also got a new podcast called The Cult Movie Lounge in which award-winning blogger Robert Manell and I discuss all cult movies all the time. And here's of course our sister show The East Meets the West in which we discuss Shaw Brothers films and Spaghetti Western movies all of which can be found at our website, Haven Podcasts, that's plural, havenpodcasts.com. And while you're at our website, be sure to click on our Patreon link and Tee Public link to help support the show. We've also got a YouTube page, so please go to youtube.com slash users UncleDeath1 and subscribe to it, and don't forget to hit that little bell so you get notifications when we put out new episodes. And of course, we want your feedback, so please email us at thenisnow42 at gmail.com, and you can also join in the conversation at our Facebook Then Is Now podcast group as well. Then Is Now podcast is part of the Dorkening Podcast Network, so please check out the other great shows there at thedorkeningpodcastnetwork.com. That's right, folks, and all of those links, like I said, they're on our website as well as in our show notes of every episode. And we are on all the podcasting apps, so if you like our show, please go to wherever you download your podcast from and leave us a great review because that bumps us up the list in the algorithm and helps more people to find us. Thank you for joining us today. Class dismissed.
1: This Now Podcast is intended for entertainment, educational, and informational purposes only. Sounds, music, and clips played during this podcast are the property of their copyright holders. All original content is copyright Jupiter Media.